Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send them my way. Now, what do you get when you mix Friday the 13th, The Last Action Hero, and Scream? Why you get The Final Girls. Oh, sorry. Hi. I was just enjoying the song. I hope you guys were enjoying it as much as me. Um, yeah, I played a little bit more of that than I normally would because, well, I really like that song. Um, if you don't know, that's Betty Davis Eyes. Uh, well, you should know just for the fucking lyrics of the song, right? Uh, and it holds some significance to the film. This is a weird film where it really doesn't have a theme song, per se. Uh, that's the closest thing. There is something else that plays, I guess kind of before but when the actual title card shows up it's like a sound like thx or some shit like that anyway and what movie am i fucking talking about i'm talking about the final girls and the final girls it's a this is a very interesting movie this is something that if you've ever followed uh any of the guys that are well basically if you ever watch silicon valley and if you know thomas middleditch um he is somebody that I really enjoy. He's a really good improv actor, and he's been on some other podcasts that I really enjoy to listen to, like Comedy Bang Bang, for example. Uh, and he, a long time ago, he started talking about this film while he was on there, and I was like, huh, saw a trailer, and I was like, eh, it might be interesting. But it's one of those movies at the time, I think, had a very limited release, if any. 
Uh, it might have been on VOD. I don't remember, but it wasn't at a time where I was like, I have to see this movie. And then all of a sudden, it for some reason popped up in my like periphery. Somebody mentioned it or somebody linked to a trailer or something happened to where it was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that film. You know what? This would be really fun to watch. And I found out that now it's easily available for rent on things like YouTube, on Amazon, on Vudu, all those places you can find it and you can watch it. I had a little bit of a harder time trying to find it uh, out there, but it is readily available on those platforms if you can find it. Though I really wish you could find it on another platform, something like Hulu or Netflix, or even like Amazon Prime had it where you could watch it without having to rent it. Because I feel it's like, not to really get too much into it already with the way that I think about it and how everything, you know, review-wise, but I really feel like it's a movie that if you have to pay to rent it, uh, you may not get your mileage out of it, depending on who you are. Personally, I think I did get my mileage out of this movie, but that might not be the same for you, right? And it's not a film, like... I will say at this point, because there's nothing really, <laughs> it's hard to be like, oh man, this is so spoilery, or you gotta do this, and blah, blah, It's one of those films where I'm not gonna say right now that you definitely should watch it before you listen to the podcast. If you, you kind of know where, you know, just based upon the way everything goes with it, and the, while you're watching the movie, and even while you're listening to this, or even when you watch the trailer, you kind of know where things are probably going to end up by the time you finish watching the movie. There isn't anything that's twisty, or weird, or it's just kind of about the enjoyment of getting to the end of the film. There is one little small twist at the end of it, but I figured that thing out that they were going to do it way in the beginning of the movie because it it's exactly how everything's set up and we'll talk about it because I don't want to get to that already. Uh, but you'll know that point and you'll know, I guess I'm kind of spoiling it right now, but if you're listening to this podcast, that means you're okay with everything being spoiled anyway, so it's just spoiling the point of the podcast. Wow, that's weird. This is like spoilception here. Uh, I'm going to start spoiling my own podcast before I get to the end, but I guess I kind of did because I said I liked it. Um, but nonetheless, if you really are interested, if you've heard of this film before and you were like, man, I wasn't sure about it and maybe I would have watched it and you're going to listen to this to find out whether you're not going to watch it, um, that's fine. I might suggest to those people, watch it first. Because you might have a differencing of opinion than I do when it comes out to the final, like, thing that this movie has made and what impact it has. But it's something that you don't necessarily need to. Like, I enjoyed the ride. It was fresh for me. Something that I hadn't seen before. I'd been very interested in. And it's something that I feel like I said, I think it was worth my time watching it. Uh, you know, reviews over, it's this out of this, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> but it's still fun to, like, kind of go through everything again. You know, and especially the way that I do the podcast, it's, you know, if you, it is your first time listening to this podcast, uh, one, thank you. Two, it's, you know, I go through the movie basically three times. I watch it, I get all the audio, and then I go through it for you guys once again. So it's like I'm watching the movie all over again. And the second time that I, you know, the technically watching it, 
I got a lot more out of it. And it actually increased my enjoyment of it because of what like what it's trying to mesh together. Now, in the little intro thing, which, yes, I did change up a little bit because I think the podcast has evolved a little bit from just terrible horror movies. I think it just goes after every type of horror movie that there is out there, uh, as well as other genres that there is. So I felt that it needed a little bit of a change as we got back into horror movies. I'm still going to do a lot of terrible ones, but I feel like every now and then I'm throwing in something that I want to check out like the next two movies this movie and the next movie are two movies that i really want to check out and then the movie that's going to be after that is going to be something special um and and so (laughs) i know i'm bouncing all over the place right now but i'm just kind of going on things but again i had like i said that this movie is a mix of three things it's a mix of friday the 13th Last Action Hero, and Scream. Scream and Friday the 13th make sense, but you say, Terrible Terror, Last Action Hero? Yeah, Last Action Hero. And I say that because it has a like self-referential and self-aware nature to this film. And it's something that Last Action Hero did really, really well. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, and that might shock a lot of people. I don't know. Uh, but in general, it's... You know, I like the premise of the whole thing, not necessarily the execution of the whole thing, but this has that, like, nature into it. Because, and not to try to get into, but let's, quick summary of the film so you kind of get where I'm coming from. You have a girl who has a mom. She used to be in this, like, or not used to be, she used to be alive. Uh, But she was a part of this horror movie that... All of a sudden, they're celebrating it this one night, and she gets sucked into the movie, and now all of a sudden, she's a part of the movie where Dead Mom is. Basic, basic summary of the movie. So that's kind of what the last action hero-ness of it. But it's not just the suck into the movie type of thing. It's everything else that kind of goes around it as well, from the characters that are being built up, from your main cast and the people that get sucked into the movie to the way that they treat the characters inside of the film, like everything just meshes like so well. And it's so weird, but so amazing at the same time that it's, I I have a hard time disliking this movie. So uh, even though you see the, or hear the grade, see the grade, what the fuck? How are you watching me right now? Is that a camera over there? Oh, must be put in by Dave. Uh, But (laughs) however it goes, like, you know, it's it's something that I do want to... There are gripes with everything, of course, that goes on in the film. And there's a couple of scenes where I'm kind of like, uh... But in general, you know, we can enjoy it together. Let's, let's say that. And it's up to you whether or not you feel like it's a movie that you should see. Again, basically all I'm trying to say here, and it's really hard to not, like, go right away and do it, is if you're really interested in seeing this movie... Stop the podcast, watch it. However you want to watch it, however you can watch it, watch it. If you're interested, but you're not sure quite yet, then let's go on, finish the podcast with me, and then go on and watch the movie afterwards if it does seem like it's your cup of tea. Uh, If you just want to listen to this to listen to this because you're like, I've never heard of this movie and what the fuck, I'm just going to listen to your podcast, 
please keep listening. <laughs> I'm not going to stop you and tell you to go watch it. It's really what your preference is going to be because I believe that for you, you know, as a listener of this podcast, as well as a watcher of horror movies, it's up to you to make that decision of whether or not you want stuff spoiled for you. I listen to a couple other great horror podcasts that, you know, I don't necessarily know all of the movies, but every time they talk about something and they have a spoiler section, I still listen through and I decide whether or not at that point I want to actually go watch the movies. And sometimes the movies have actually ended up here because... They don't, they go and nitpick certain, not nitpick is the wrong word. They describe specific scenes of the movie and they don't go, always go as in depth as I do, basically telling you everything that's happening with the movie. Um, but what they say really interests me. So something like, let's, let's take BTV for the last time they did, they did Wreck and Wreck 2. I've seen Wreck, I really like Wreck, never saw Wreck 2, went to their spoilers. I kind of want to see Wreck 2 and 3 and 4 now based upon what they said, but they didn't really go heavy, 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 heavy into it. So that's what I mean. So for me, it doesn't matter. For many of you listening out there, probably doesn't matter either. And I just spent 10 minutes every time rambling on with this crap when we could have just gotten to the goddamn movie. So let's get to the goddamn movie and carry on. You could skip, you could have skipped the last 10 minutes, but haha, made you listen. Anyway, so the first thing that this movie starts off with, which surprised the hell out of me, is a movie trailer for the movie within the movie. Welcome to Camp Bluefinch, where romance and the sun can turn deadly. This is the summer that's going to change your life. Where the days are warm. Hey, man. My guitar is choice. Thanks, Blake. Mitch and hair. The girls are cool. Did I mess the kumbaya circle? The nights are always hot. And evil lurks around every corner. Gosh, you startled me. So I just go down that path all the way? A guy like you can go anywhere he wants. <laughs> and any moment... Billy can strike. They won't be singing Kumbaya. They'll be screaming Kumbano. Pack your bags for Camp Bloodbath. We just messed with the wrong virgin. Where the only marshmallow that will roast is your sanity. So right away, I am pissed that this is not a real fucking movie. I can't go watch Billy fucking kill camp counselors. Like, that is right up my fucking alley. Like, right away, I was like, holy crap. I love the way that it's done like a VHS trailer. It's all fucking, like, grainy. It comes into focus. It looks great, and it gets me prepared for watching the film. But that's not the film I'm going to be fucking watching. Like, how can you switch this shit on me? Like, I really want to see this now. And yes, in the beginning, you kind of hear the... <sighs> like the fake Jason noises. But this isn't Jason. This is fucking Billy, man. And Billy's a fucking badass for what he is. Well, kind of. Uh, we'll get more into Billy as the movie moves along. But this is something that I truly want to see. Like, I wish these guys would have made the full thing. And we really... <laughs> 
it's just it's weird to start off with a trailer for the fake movie in the film that it's going to be, but we know that our characters are actually going to be involved in this, so we kind of know where we're going from here. From the end of the trailer, we're introduced to Max. Max, she's sitting in a car, playing by Tessa Formiga, and she's waiting for a mom who's, I guess, at a, like an audition for a role, and she comes back to the car and basically says that she hasn't gotten the role. Now, her mom, which is... To me, it's a little weird. Now, this is 2015, and I don't think that the actress that plays her mom, which is, uh, I can never say her last name, like, totally correct. Uh, it's Malin Ackerman. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's got the little uh, O on top of the A. Uh, but I recognize her from something. And one, I think she's way, like, I think she's too young to be Tessa Formiga's, like, mother for one like i feel that she is but when i look at her and i look at maybe it's just because uh you know tessa formiga always looks super super young and at this point this is um i don't know where around the american horror story side of things is she's playing a high schooler at least that's you know just out getting out of high school or it could be college i don't fucking know but again between them two they don't look like their mother and daughter for one two like if she had her, she must have had her and she was like 14 or some shit like that. Because they look like maybe like 10 years apart. Maybe less. Who fucking knows how like much of a difference they are. And Malin here, like what I remember her from is actually Watchmen. Which wasn't that much further back from this film. And she played the Spectre too. You know, the daughter of the Spectre. Um, if you've ever seen Watchmen or if you've ever read the comic books before. Which... Honestly, personally, I think you should read the comics and then watch the film afterwards. Um, even with the changes that they did, I think it's actually pretty faithful. But nonetheless, she is Spectre 2 in that film. And I'm like, okay, that's probably why I think that you're too young to be like her mom. But whatever, that's the way it goes. So they discuss how she didn't get the role probably because they remembered her from camp bloodbath and she can't seem to lean like live that down she's had other roles in other films and you know her daughter is basically saying well you know maybe you know they just don't know who the real you and you're you're a rock star you know you're a big classy movie star you don't worry you'll get it and that's where they decide to drive off from there and go back home and they have a kind of a further discussion of you know basically the financial trouble that they're in and it's kind of a weird situation because she's kind of playing more of the mother role because her mom is kind of wild and out there, I guess, with the acting thing. And she doesn't seem to take everything completely serious where the daughter is like, hey, we've got bills. We got to make sure that we do this stuff. But the mom wants, I guess, maybe the daughter have like a funner life than she does. I don't know, but it gets in kind of a weird conversation for what they've got going on. So, we owe the electric company $174.88 by next Remember Monday. Frank? He told me he was going to take me to Palm Springs this weekend. No message, no text. No surprise. You know, it's just, he said we're exclusive. Well, he said it. He doesn't act like it. Whatever, what do I know? You must think I'm a total zero. Screw him, Mom. And screw his shitty hotel in Palm Springs. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at you taking care of me. 
What happened to that little girl I used to dance with in the backyard? Mm, she grew up and is trying to figure out where this $174 is going to come from. What are you doing? Are you crazy? <gasps> Our song! Mom, we need to figure this out. Her hair is hollow gold And it's a sweet surprise Her hands are never You're cold. such a dork. You know, everything in my life I got wrong. But you, I got right. I love you. You know that, right? So there's a couple things that are going on within this scene right here. The first off is that, you know, Max, she has a much stronger head on her shoulders than her mom does. Her mom is still chasing some type of dream out there, and it seems like she's bouncing from guy to guy and trying to relive her youth because maybe she did something when she was a lot younger that she kind of regrets which is her daughter but maybe it's regrets is not necessarily the word that i want to use here maybe the word is more like she didn't get a chance to necessarily live her childhood or live her 20s or do all of her acting career or she feels like she's so held back by the fact that she was in this horror movie that nobody can really take her serious and she really wants to be this like big movie star but at the same time she's got a life that she has to be able to provide to her daughter and for some reason right now, we don't know what the situation is. We don't know what she does for a living. Is she like a waitress? They supposedly are in the valley out down in Southern California. You know, I, I don't know exactly. There isn't a whole lot to tell you what the situation that they're living is like right now. All we know is that she wants to be an actress. She's not able to get the roles that she needs and provide the life for her daughter that maybe she expected to provide for her. But because we don't know a whole lot about the backstory right now, we really don't know what exactly is going on between mother and daughter other than it's kind of, it seems like one of those roles where the daughter takes more of the motherly role because the mother doesn't have a handle on all, every, everything that's going around her and she's still kind of pursuing her dreams. Which, you know, you can still do. I'm not saying that you can't go out, you know, and be like that great actor, actress, because there's plenty out there that do that and have kids and do all this stuff. But they're also big time actors and not necessarily small time people. But you can kind of need to get your like shit together to be able to do something like that. The second thing that's going on in this scene that drives me fucking batty and it drives me fucking batty with a lot of fucking movies is the scene where people are driving in the car and then they happen to be staring at each other while they're driving in the fucking car. And so automatically my, my brain goes to when is the car crash going to happen? Because she keeps looking over at Max, you know, and she keeps staring at her while she's talking and still driving straight. Like, nothing is gonna, on the fucking road. I understand that it's gotten darker. And honestly, this is some, like, 24-type bullshit where they're able to get from part A to part B to fucking Southern California without two hours of fucking traffic going through to drive you 25 minutes. It's the same thing if they were to do the same shit up here, a place that takes me 10 minutes or 15 minutes to get to when there's absolutely nobody on the road takes me two fucking hours 
hours or an hour and a half or whatever the fuck it is because people don't know how to drive and yet you're sitting there fucking staring straight and over at your fucking kid and just like fucking talking casually oh i'm gonna turn up the music i'm gonna start fucking dancing in the car and trying to get my daughter to fucking dance in the car at the same time not keep my eyes on the road not keep my hands at 10 and fucking 2 you can talk and fucking drive at the same fucking time can't you oh it's so fucking annoying that they have these things like it makes no fucking sense to me because here's somebody that you care about your daughter you don't want to get in a fucking accident do you but what are you gonna do you're gonna stare to her the entire fucking time and make sure that you fucking crash the car which eventually they do but not when she's when she's paying attention to the road and then like she throws the bills out of the car okay and she's like, woo, don't worry about all this money we owe, and I don't know how I'm going to get the money, but I'm probably going to go suck dick for the money or some shit like that, or big family members or whatever I'm going to do, because supposedly whoever this guy Frank is promised to take her somewhere, and he owns a bunch of hotels, so maybe she was being like a, you know, a sugar baby or something for this guy Frank, and he was paying off some of those things. Who the fuck knows? Maybe I'm laying something on top of her. But she doesn't seem too worried about how she's going to get the money to pay for all their bills. But, like, that doesn't upset her and that's not bothering anything. But when she actually, like, Max knocks some stuff onto her, like, headshots, which were supposedly expensive. She gets all, uh, and then, you know, that, at that point, when she's not paying attention to the road. The whole, like, 20 minute conversation that they have going down the street and dancing and doing all this other bullshit nobody's coming the moment that you do something to the headshots oh no here comes the other car that fucking plows into them and causes it to flip like 17 fucking times and i was at this point this effect because they use cgi to do the car crash i get it it's probably cheaper than actually getting a car and if you're under, you know, constrained budget and everything like that, blah, 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 blah. Totally get it. I understand it. But that CG looks terrible. Like, it looks absolutely awful. The car looks so out of place. It definitely looks like you had some weird thing green screened into there. Like, it doesn't match what's going on. You just filmed the street. Here's this part of wherever it is in Southern California. It's probably not Southern California. It's probably fucking Canada or some shit like that. It's Vancouver, right? And... The car like rolls down, but it looks so way out of place, like terribly out of place. And the car ends up on top of its, you know, its hood and everything fades to black. And we go to three years later from here and we see that Max is getting ready to meet up with her friend Gertie. Uh, They're basically going to go out and they're going to study with pretty boy Chris because Max is failing one of her ancient literature classes. And of course, Gertie's got to get the scoop on why, you know, Chris asked her to study. So, when Chris asked you to study, was he like, I want you to come study? Or was he like, I want you to come study? Please, I'm only going so I don't flung classics. Oh, come on, you know that he broke up with Vicky last week, right? And she is a mess. Have you seen the veiled suicide note slash poem she posts on her Facebook page? <laughs> it's so hilarious. I read it out loud to myself a lot. Hmm. Hey, just keep on keeping on. What does that even mean? 
something my therapist tells me all the time. You have a therapist? Mm-hmm. Does that help you deal? Mm, no, not really. She's a physical therapist. So, Gertie here is kind of like the best friend trope. Now, as we go along, we're going to be introduced to every one of the characters that's going to go inside the film with Max. And we get introduced, and they're, and they're all different tropes of a slasher film. And I really, really like this. You know, she's the best friend that seems to always be by her side. We've got Chris, who's the hunky guy that for some reason is into her, but because she's kind of a plain Jane type of person. And as you guessed it, not to spoil anything, she's the virgin of the film. Uh, and, you know, it's neat to hear, like, she's like the jokey kind of comedic best friend, right? Like, she's getting in there, like, trying to get in part of her life, like, wink, wink, hint, hint, how did he ask you to study? Was it, hey, I want you to come study, or I want you to come study with us? It's, it's actually pretty neat, and they're pretty well, well written and pretty well acted at the same time. So we see them travel over to the diner where they're all going to meet with Chris. Well, her and Gertie are going to meet with Chris because they're talking about Greek history, Greek literature, or whatever the f fuck they're talking about in this situation. And we meet Chris for the very first time, along with Gertie's brother, stepbrother, fuck if I know, but Duncan is his name. So the myth of Persephone. Max, you want to take this one? Sure. She's the daughter of Zeus, and she eats pomegranate seeds, and then Hades kidnaps her to the underworld. Yeah, okay, good. So they go back to the underworld, and Persephone's freaking out, and Hermes is like, it's okay, it's okay, just keep looking forward, or we'll be stuck here forever. Max, you want to jot any of this down, or...? Oh, no, it's okay, Max. I already, I already got it copied. You can copy from me later, or I can give it to you if you, if you want. I'm gonna stop talking. <clears throat> oh shit. Max, hey, wait, uh, did you knock out my messages? Duncan, no. Please. Come on. Please. Seriously? No. The mathematicians were so excited when I told them that Amanda Cartwright's daughter was my sister's best friend. Stepsister. Why'd you say that? That's so hurtful. Please, Max, I promised that you'd be there. I'm the assistant general manager of the varsity. Think of my reputation. Wait, what are mathematicians? Uh, Camp Bloodbath fans. It's kind of our awesome nickname. Did you know that a nickname immediately becomes uncool when you give it to yourself? You know what, Gertie? When my dad told me that I was going to get a sister, I cried. Because that's all I'd ever wanted. But not like this. Not like this. Don't. Look, Camp Bloodbath is like the granddaddy of all campsite slasher films, okay? Amazing production design, insane music, over-the-top acting. It's a cult classic. Max's mom plays Nancy, this sort of shy girl next door who gives up her butterfly to some dumb jock, and Billy Murphy comes along and chops her ass up on a waterbed. <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. Tell your cult maybe I'll see them next year. I'll do all your classics assignments for the rest of the year. Papers, your homework, all of it. Gertie, uh told me that you were failing. Please, Max, what do you say? You want to graduate or not? So what a way to fucking bribe her is to make sure that you do all of her homework for her, which, honestly, that's not a bad deal. So here's Middleditch, right? He, he's the one that plays Duncan, and it's kind of sucks because a lot of the times he plays a very similar character, and I believe this was around the time that Silicon Valley 
was in its infancy, right? And he's kind of playing the same character, except for that he's super, super excited for horror films. And he's such a fucking fan of Camp Bloodbath. Like, this is the thing he lives for. He can't believe that his stepsister, which I guess were corrected there. And I always thought it was like, kind of jokingly, oh, it's jokingly your step. No, it's really is his stepsister. And her friend here is, you know, the daughter of one of the most cherished characters from that film. So, of course, he wants to get her involved in this whole thing and come to this, like, anniversary screening for, or whatever it is, the reason why they're having this screening at the theater. And I would totally reject it, too, because do you want to see your mom on the screen once again being chased by a serial killer, especially since, you know, she's dead and she's not there? It'd be one thing to, like, be like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to honor her memory or whatever, but there's got to be some way better to do that rather than watching her in a slasher film, especially the role that she ends up playing in that film. So... She does reluctantly agree to this. And we also see, I should say at the same time, that Chris has a major fucking hard on for her. Because he's like, oh, I want you to study. I've got all the notes. You can totally, like, cheat off me. I'll give it to you. And then he's like, oh, oh, it's a pun. It's kind of like a Freudian slip, but not really. It's something, oh, that you could take awkwardly in the next way. <laughs> it's just... Weird, again, it's the hot guy that's after kind of the plain girl that nobody knows why. And then you got the dorky guy who knows everything about everything that's going to be going on really, really soon. And so this is where, like, the Scream group is being put together at the same time. That we're kind of getting in some of the tropes of everything that, you know, you know these characters and what's kind of going to happen to these characters at the same time. So... She totally agrees to go into the film thing because he's going to help her pass. He's going to do all of her work for her. And we see her see Chris at the front of the building. And things get a little awkward, especially when his ex, Vicky, shows up, who happens to also be Max's ex-best friend. Wow. Your mom was gorgeous. I'm sorry. That was, that's a weird thing to say, isn't it? Kind of. <laughs> it's kind of cool we get to honor her memory this way, right? Um, today's the anniversary of her death. I, uh... I don't know what to say. Me neither. At least I get to see her. Even if she was being chased by a psycho with a machete. <laughs> This is Tyson. We've been hanging out and he's so funny. My abs are like shredded from laughing so hard. Anyway, Tyson wanted to come here tonight and I was like, oh my god, no, but here we are, so you win, Tyson. So you didn't see my post about it or anything? No, I don't go on your stupid Twitter, which by the way, I lost three more followers today. Anyway, I'll see you guys inside, okay? So Vicky here is... Of course, Chris's ex-girlfriend. And at the same time, like, kind of the mean girl of the film, I guess. I mean, it becomes self-proclaimed towards the end of the movie. But here, you... I don't know if you necessarily get that type of vibe from her. At least when you first meet her. Once you go inside the theater, yes, you totally get that vibe. And she is just, like, lovelorn over Chris. 
Chris wants nothing to do with her anymore, and here she is trying to make him totally jealous by showing up to the theater with Tyson, Tyler, whatever the fuck his name is, uh, the guy that just drives her over to the theater so she can go inside and still try to hook up with Chris, uh, you know, some more, and make sure that Chris doesn't go after Max for whatever reason it is. It's also kind of a weird and perfectly planned that this bloodbath celebration the screening of bloodbath one and bloodbath two is going on and it just happens to be the third anniversary of max's mom's death who of course plays nancy in the film just like kind of like i said earlier it's weird that they're celebrating this or that she's going to kind of celebrate and even chris says man it must be great to see your mom and celebrate like this no she dies in the film and it's her anniversary of her death, so why the fuck should I be here? You, this is the reason why I'm trying to avoid this. And do you think that Duncan would know if his sister is friends with her, and his sister seems to say a lot of things about Max, especially when Max is failing, and you're using that to basically get her to come to this thing? This is also where I figured out what the twist was, just because you're showing Bloodbath 1 and 2, and you can kind of guess where maybe it's going to go, but, you know, I was hoping that maybe it was going to be, you know, a continuation of both films or something, but it's still interesting. We're basically going to go into Bloodbath, you know, 1. So... They all go inside, they all meet inside the lobby way, everybody's kind of chatting there, Chris is all excited that he's going to share this experience with Max here, offers to go get her popcorn and M&M's. What? what? Who the fuck puts M&M's in popcorn? Like, that's, that's fucking weird. Like, right? Am I wrong? Like, popcorn to me is like sacred. Like, you only put butter. Uh, and maybe every once in a while you can take like a little cheese or you can go with the cheese popcorn. You can get chocolate popcorn. I totally understand that. I totally get that. But M&M's. Like, and then what type of M&M's are you putting in there? Like, do you go with the regular old plain chocolate, which are just blah? Do you go with the peanut, which is like the most yummy that there is out of everything? Do you go with the peanut butter? Do you like a little peanut butter and chocolate with your popcorn? Or do you go with like a mint one? Caramel one? Which one do you do? Now, I'm assuming that they're just going with old, plain Jane fucking regular M&M's, but that's still weird. Does anybody really do that? Like, I'd really like to know. I just, I've never heard of it before. I've had, like, chocolate-coated popcorn. Like, you get, like, the bag, and it's whatever it is, and it's got, like, chocolate poured in there or whatever it is. I've had that, but having it with it, wouldn't the M&M's, like, the candy shell, like, get all, like, gross with your hands i mean butter is already hard to eat when you're eating it in the theater because it gets your fingers get all buttery but i couldn't imagine that like candy shell all of a sudden getting it and you come out and your hand looks like you've been given a hand job to the fucking you know lucky charms leprechaun because it's all different colors of the fucking rainbow or anything like that I, or it's fucking brown as shit you know because everything's melted off it's just it's weird. And then how are you going to cut the hole in the bottom of the popcorn? And then you're going to have everything around your... Well, I guess it make it taste sweeter. Oh, okay. Well, whatever it is, he goes off and does that. And Vicky tries to get him to, like, you know, get her what she usually gets. Oh, yeah, you know what I like, don't you? And he totally ignores her. We have Duncan come out and he talks to Max and he tries to convince Max that, Hey, can you do the Q&A afterwards? And she's like, I'm here. You know, I don't want to do the Q&A. And he's like, okay. And then he stumbles and falls. So we have the group here. 
that is now going to watch the movie and eventually be a part of the whole group that's going to get sucked into the movie. So the film starts and we actually get a little bit more information on what exactly happened with Billy and we have the crowd laughing and cheering and you can see Max at times. She's actually kind of enjoying it and she does get a little teary-eyed when she sees her mom for the very first time. Hey guys, we're here. Someone wake up Sleeping Beauty back there. Are we there yet? You okay? Yeah. It all happened so long ago. Little Billy Murphy went to camp here decades ago. And he was always picked on for being different, ugly. And then one summer, the hottest one on record, the counselors decided to play a little prank on him. No one really knows how Billy was before it happened. The counselors hated him, and the other kids bullied him mercilessly. Stop! Go away! So, okay, this sounds like something that would be nowadays with your fucking YouTube videos. It's just a prank, bro! Because their idea of just a prank is to light, like, an old-school firecracker. Like, not like the single ones. One of those ones that's like a chain. Like a fucking foot-long chain of fucking firecrackers. And throw it into the outhouse while the little kid is there. They also don't like Billy because Billy was ugly. Like, they nailed the fucking cheese and how ridiculous this movie. And... The other thing that I can say based upon this and Adam Devine being in this movie, you probably heard him for a second there. He's the guy that plays Kurt, and he was also on that uh, one Comedy Central show. But every time he's done a role, this is the only way he acts. Like, this is just Adam Devine acting like Adam Devine in the fucking movies. Like, he doesn't change. Whether it's fucking Pitch Perfect, or it's this fucking movie, or it's any fucking thing that he's ever been in, he acts exactly the same. Like, he was meant for, like, cheesy, crappy 80s slasher movies. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Friday the 13th movies aren't fun and great and whatever, but... Like, he would be perfect in those movies as, like, the one either, like, jock, dickhead, like, the guy that totally comes down on everybody. Kind of like Jack Black's role in The NeverEnding Story 3. Like, Adam Devine would be perfect for that type of, like, role. So, it's just weird. And both my wife and I, like, looked at each other for a second, and we were like, man, he just doesn't change, like, almost at the same time. And it was really weird. Uh, but... <laughs> It's it's totally true. He doesn't change his acting style for anything he fucking does. Okay, so we see everybody, and like I said, you see the tear kind of roll down her eye when Max's mom comes on the screen as Nancy for the very first time. And then we get to hear a little bit about what happened to Billy. Uh, in the audience, everybody's enjoying it. You can hear them all, like, clapping, cheering, like, getting scared for things, especially when the firecrackers, but the, you don't really see anything. They make it seem like you actually, like, see some gruesome shit, but we replay that scene later on in the movie, and it's completely different from what I expected it to be. 
But nonetheless, we see a guy like snuck in a bottle of vodka. He tries to drink some from it. He does, actually. He gives it to his friend. His friend drinks some of it, tries to give it back, but they drop it. And it rolls along the ground, leaving a perfect line of vodka all the way to the movie, uh, like, you know, curtains that are in the back. We see a guy that's lit up a joint, and he's busy smoking it. And then at one point... After the bottles rolled past him and the perfect line of vodka is set on the ground, the ash from his joint falls off and hits the vodka perfectly, causing a giant blaze in the fucking theater. And I mean giant. And this is a point because Max, she can't take watching her mom on screen and it's a point that she's actually going to die. Like, she has sex in the movie, which of course means that that's the point when she's not going to be there anymore. But it's not really sex. Like... She hooks up with Kurt, Adam Devine's character, and he says some really dumb, cheesy things, like with her legs, like spreading the seas or some shit like that, because I guess he's going down for tuna or something. I I don't know what the fuck it is exactly, but, you know, he dies, and she's going to get killed by Billy, and that's when Max has to leave the theater, and that's when the fire starts. So as soon as she's about to go over there, fire begins people run some guy brought an actual machete or so i say machete to the theater and she ends up grabbing it with her friends running to the front to the movie screen and cuts a hole inside of the screen and walks through and everything fades to black at that point when everybody comes back to we see that they've been transported into a forest, and that's when everybody gets back together, and we realize that something is very, very strange. Oh, Max! Oh, God, what happened? Where the hell are you? I don't know. Did the theater burn down? That was the scariest thing I have ever seen. You're alive? Oh, thank God. Uh, what does poison ivy look like? Because I think I got a... Can you help me? Guys, somebody's coming. Hey, do you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Tina. Yeah? a psychotic episode we all saw the same thing right maybe it's a dream a collective dream if this is a dream then there's a very strong chance that my dad's gonna come up to us naked and offer us some pecan pie but don't take any it is not pecan pie um i'm very afraid to ask what exactly is the pecan pie supposed to be is it like is it like dog shit <laughs> is it like uh, maggots? Is this like a Lost Boy situation that we're going to inside of your dreams, Duncan? Tell me what it is. I need to know what this pecan pie really is. And then they start walking off at this point because they figure that that's just some weird trip. Somehow they're all involved in it. And then big title scratch like flash on the screen. It says 92 minutes later. And then this happens. Maybe we're dead. And this is heaven. This can't be heaven. Max is here. She's Jewish. Oh, right. Well, maybe it's Jewish heaven. Look! 
you guys know the way to Camp Bluefinch? Oh, uh, yeah, you just keep going the way you're going. Oh, wow. Okay. Thanks so much. We're not dead. We're insane. No, we're not. And I don't think we're in the valley anymore. Is anybody getting any bars? No. no. Yeah, actually, uh, we're counselors, and we can show you if you just give us a ride. Oh, rad! Yeah, hop in. Tubular. Dude, what are you doing? Do we have a choice? We're kind of stuck. Let's go. So Duncan's like single-handedly figured out that they're actually stuck within Camp Bloodbath. He hasn't really said it just yet, but he did set his watch. And guess who comes down the road 92 minutes later? Why, it's Tina and Kurt. They're driving down the road, and they stop yet again to ask them for the third time, might I add you, do you guys know the way to the camp? I can't remember the name off the top of my head, even if I just heard it again, but fuck it, it's not really that important. So, you know, Duncan, being the smart one that he is, he, well, or what he's realized, I don't know if he's necessarily the smart one, but we'll say that for the time being. Uh, he gets everybody awkwardly into the van and they all go to the camp with each other. That's where they have kind of an awkward situation inside of the van, especially when Nancy wakes up from her nap just like she does in the film. I can't believe you guys are counselors, too. We've never had this many before. When the kids get here next week, they're going to be so pumped. Hey, where's your guys' suitcases? Because honestly, your clothes, they're disgusting. Says the guy in the crop top. What's up? Are you guys poor people? Are you guys poor? Uh, we packed light. Yeah. What did you pack, Tina? The basics. Bikini, mouthwash, diaphragm. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. It's going to get so naked. How did you know? Spring break. Forever. Hey guys. We're here. <laughs> Somebody wake up Sleeping Beauty back there. Nancy, what's your name? I don't know how they do it, but I would be fucking tripping balls at this point. Because what the hell is going on? All of a sudden, you know, everything's kind of stopped at this moment. You know, you have to get basically get inside the van and nobody also at the same time realizes that somebody's gonna pop up out of the back of the van i mean duncan should at least like not act so surprised because he's seen this movie so many damn times he's a bathamite or whatever the fuck you want to call them and like he would know that at this point in the film nancy gets woken up because they're almost there at the camp and he should be preparing max for it let alone that they just fucking were watching the movie and they got to that point inside of the theater before everything went to shit. 
In fact, they got to the point where Max's mom is going to be killed inside of the movie. That's when everything went down. So you know everything that's happening up to this point. So it's weird that they're like, huh? She's in the back of the van? Like, I don't get that why there's that area or that need for like a surprise reaction. And But it is like bittersweet at the same time because... Just like in that scene inside of the theater, when she looks back and she says, Max, like a tear is running down her cheek. And nobody's like, man, that's weird. Especially the characters inside the movie. There is one thing that I really do like, and they eventually break it. But for the most part, the characters constantly act as though the characters would, even if things kind of change around a bit. So when this happens, she's just kind of like, Huh, and she's still really nice, the nerdy, whatever book type that she is, and she doesn't really notice that things are kind of weird. Even when there's all these extra, like, quote-unquote counselors that are there, and they're, they kind of complain about the stuff they wear, but they're just like, alright, you're extra counselors, so I totally get it, we were going to have some more, and we're going towards the camp, great, come along. Like, it doesn't affect the way the movie's going to run, and the way the characters act, even though... Here we are, and there's all brand new things that are being introduced into this weird film world. The next thing I really like is when they do get to the camp, the way the title card like shows up at that point, and you see it in the sky, and everybody's just kind of like looking at it, and it hangs over in 3D and then disappears like they truly are inside of the film. So they pull up upon the camp, and they all get out, and that's when Duncan explains exactly what's going on with them. So, we're in the movie. Uh, how do we get out of here? Yeah, I like that question. That's a really, really good question. Duncan, can you answer that question, please? Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's 1986. Our homes don't exist yet. They're probably just landfills waiting to be turned into crappy subdivisions. We don't exist yet. I know for a fact my parents haven't met because I was an unplanned child. Anyone want to help me pick some strawberries? Nope. But I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. You guys get me, right? Yeah, we do, brother. <laughs> Kurt is insatiable. Um, okay, so Mimi's in the woods. That means everything is right on schedule. She hooks up with that hiker. But then she gets killed, right? Yeah, exactly. Everyone who has sex in this movie dies. It's awesome. I got into bodybuilding big time. Yeah, so. oh my God, can I touch it? Yeah, touch it. Oh, wow. Touch it. The backside's just as hard. Touch the backside. That's right. Everyone. I'm with Gertie on this one. Let's just take their van and bail. What do we have to lose? Yeah, did I say that? I didn't go okay. We actually probably shouldn't um, talk to them. Oh, what's up, fun bags? Fun bags. Right. Yay, feminism. Listen, we need to borrow your van for a little while. Okay, yeah. I don't know. What's in it for me? How about my friends don't kick your ass? <laughs> oh, this guy's your friend. Yeah, right. You want to go? <laughs> no, no. Tricep no. smash. Okay. And that would kill you. That's a karate technique. No, I don't. I've never actually fought anyone before in my life. Yeah, well, I have so many times. Seven times. Hey, we. This is so weird. Do me a favor and just zing me. Just get me. Fine. How about you, go suck a turd. <laughs> Writing is so bad. Okay. Tell you what. You find the keys, and the van's yours. 
Oops. Really? Mm. I'm glad that you die. What? Nothing. What she meant to say was that we all die, eventually. Technically, we start dying the moment we were born. Yeah, right. Yes. Not to okay. overwhelm you. <clears throat> I liked you when you were laughing at my jokes. Now I just think you're weird. Okay. So their plan to get out of here is to steal the van. And of course, Kurt is a fucking dick because that's what he is in the film. He just throws the keys off into the distance. I like how they've like totally figured out we're in this film and Duncan really should be the one to like lead them in the direction that everything's going to go. But Vicky being the bitch that she is, she just wants to figure out how to get the fuck out. And he's like, it's not about being stuck in a movie or anything that's going on. It's that they may have time traveled and that, Hey, we're not actually born yet. Our places that we live are not actually built yet. Like that's, we're just stuck here till whenever, like, it's just really odd. I also like how Duncan is constantly like fangirling off of everything that he sees in this movie. Up until a certain point in the film, he's just like, oh my god. Like he's so excited when he meets Tina for the first time and she says the diaphragm roll. Which, honestly, is that enough to pack in your suitcase? Like a diaphragm, some uh, sunscreen, and a bikini and that's it? You're going to see the, all these kids for like weeks on end. How are you going to survive out in this camp area with just a bikini? And then he, you got him all excited because of what she said. And then with Kurt, like he has to be like, can you zing me? And it's the worst fucking zing in the world. You know, go suck a turd. <laughs> what? Who cares? Who the fuck? That is not a fucking zinger. That's just you saying something. That's it. Nothing else. So he throws off the keys, you know, Duncan and Vicky, they're the ones that go off looking for the keys with Gertie, but we see that Max is over there by Nancy, and she has this feeling that that actually is her mom, and realizes that what's going to happen in the film is she's going to die because she's going to have sex with Kurt, but she tries to get her mom to keep her shorts on. So, um, Kurt told me he wants to do it later. Wow, just like that? I know. And it's like, I can't stay a virgin forever, you know? And he's been with a lot of girls, so he can probably be like, I don't know, help me along. You shouldn't have sex. Why? Because I, I heard that sex can kill you. Max, sex isn't anything to be afraid of. I mean, Tina's already done it twice today, and look at her, she's totally normal. She says the best feeling in the world is getting stoned and doing it on a waterbed. Don't hang around, Tina. No, but I told myself that I was going to lose my virginity this summer, get drunk. Not necessarily in that order. Please, just trust me. You sound like my mom. Right back at you. Hello. Hi. Uh, we have to go get everyone. Let's go. We will pick this up again. Is that understood? In the meantime, just stay away from Kurt and keep your shorts on. So it's true, like, she has this fascination now that she sees Nancy here and she automatically tags her as though she really is her mom, but she fails to forget at the same time that, hey, she's just a character in this movie and she has a role to fucking play. And that's something that becomes a running theme in the rest of the movie. But for here, she's at least trying to save her up to whatever point it is by, like, one, I would probably stop her from having sex with Kurt, too, because... Uh, it's Adam Devine. 
No, it's Kurt looks like and sounds like one of those jagoffs that's just gonna, you know, try to have sex with whatever he can. And Nancy seems like the very, like, shy, kind of nerdy girl that wants to lose her fucking virginity, which is the way she's written it, because, you know, that's kind of the thing you do at summer camp, right? You go out there and you try little things, you experiment, maybe, you know, you go skinny dipping in the lake or some shit like that and then somebody comes out of the lake and slaughters you that's everybody's like summer camp experience isn't it or is that just mine well that was that one camp crystal something uh there's that guy with the weird man anyway you know enough about my summer camp experiences here but it seems like they did a really good job of one writing the secondary movie that's going on keeping the characters to that like trope while you're watching the movie as well as the these characters now that have jumped into that movie trying to disrupt everything when maybe they shouldn't so they all meet back up with vicky and duncan and they can't find the keys that have been thrown out in the forest and that's where we suddenly meet the one camp's counselor and you heard her in a second like i'm gonna go pick cherries she's the one from the trailer that meets the hiker and has sex with the hiker and they actually run upon that scene out in the forest. It plays as though it was, and all of a sudden, once the sexiness starts happening, you start hearing the Jason, or I should say, Billy noises start popping up, and that's when Billy does pop into the scene. He kills the hiker by twisting his head around, and then he kills the camp counselor by, I guess, kind of like breaking her back. Um, It's kind of odd at the same time, but he does manage to off both of them. And again, we see that uh, Duncan gets very, very excited about the fact that Billy's there and that Billy is, like, killing people right in front of him. Everybody else is freaked the fuck out. And he goes over in the area to stare at Billy really, really hard. And everybody's kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? And that's where we get this lovely scene. It's okay. It's okay. He won't hurt us. He, he would have killed me by now, okay? I think it's because we're not actually part of the movie. He doesn't really know what to do with us. Isn't that right, Billy boy? Man, you are big and scary. I wonder if all this blood is just corn syrup, you know? Like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins, you know? Let's give it a shot here. Oh, oh, God. Oh. No, that is, um, that is not corn syrup. That is, oh, God, that's blood. Oh. All the more reason for us to get the hell out of here. No, no, look, everything in this world is running exactly on schedule. Besides, to leave, we probably have to wait until the movie's over or something. Well, when is that gonna happen? Okay, look, movies like this end when the final girl kills the main bad guy and the credits roll. It's actually pretty sick in this one. She kicks up the sword and she, like, kills him with his own machete and she's like, what? And Billy's like, and goes right through his hand, like, head splits open, punches it. What? Brain goes out. Ah, Duncan! Anyway, this smoking hot girl called Paula, she arrives in the next reel. She's the final girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She is the only one in this movie who doesn't die. All we gotta do is stick with her, and we're gonna have the best seats in the house. Trust me, this last battle will blow your minds. Okay. Selfie time. So he goes to take a selfie with Billy, and what he says here is really, really interesting, and the only way to really survive the movie is to hang out with the final girl. Like, it totally makes sense, 
But at the same time, there's a reason why she's called the final goal, right? And I guess we're going to have to wait and see if that kind of is explained a little more in the film. So the plan that they're going to have is, is go find this Paula chick and go hang out with her. And we see Duncan here try to take a selfie with Billy. And the blood scene is, even though it's in the trailer, it's still fucking funny. I like, I like how he bends over and just the reaction from Middle Ditch when he tastes like, oh, oh, it's blood. Oh, it really is. And it's just the, the, he does, he's such a good, like, comedic, he has really good comedic timing and he has really good facial expressions. Uh, and everything he does comes from the world of improv so and it's something that i really like and i like what he brings to the role in the film but we know that that can't last long because he's just explained everything to everybody that's here so what's gonna happen why he's gonna take a machete to the ribs uh from billy like billy goes off screen he walks he's like see he's not gonna do anything he's like that was really scary though because as he tried to take the selfie you know billy started walking towards him and so where he thinks that he's got this, like, world of, like, <laughs> immunity from the rest of the film. He finds out, as well as the rest of the cast does, that they have no immunities from anything that goes on in this film at all. Because as he, like, starts to walk towards them, that's when the machete flies from off screen and slices him right in the stomach. And he's like, oh my god. And then he falls over dead. And that's the last that we see from Middle Ditch for a while. Uh, and the rest of the guys, they go running back towards the camp after he's been killed. So now they're all like freaked the fuck out. They're like, how the hell am I going to, you know, we want to make sure that we live. And that's actually hooking up with Paula. So they go inside of the, you know, the, whatever the cabin that all the counselors like share together. And they basically are trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and Vicky, she wants to actually, you know, get weapons and everything to go and prepare themselves for Billy. But the rest of them are just like, look, we've got to totally sit here and chill and wait for Paula to arrive, in which she finally does arrive in the film. Come on, everyone, sing along. Duncan is dead. We have to warn them. Please, they're morons. I want to know where they keep the hardware at this stuff. I want chainsaws and big-ass knives, and I want them now. What am I going to tell our parents? I don't want to die here, guys. Me either. There's got to be a way to get home. Did I miss the kumbaya circle? Paula, you're just in time to start setting up for the slumber party. Yeah, we took a vote, and you get to share my sleeping bag. Thanks, Kurt, but I'm saving myself for someone who doesn't have a needle dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it's like a hammer dick, if anything. It's a sledgehammer. Uh, who are they? Oh, they're the new counselors. They're super nice. We, we don't have new counselors. Well, now we do. <laughs> All right, guys, let's split off into groups and get busy. So all the campers now, they're going to go off and they're going to get ready for the kids that are coming. I should say camp counselors, not necessarily campers, right? But they're going to split up and do their duties. And so the group decides that everybody's got to go with somebody. So Chris has got to go with Kurt because they're going to all make sure that none of these guys have sex, period. Because the last thing that they want to do is 
have any of them do anything that's going to call Billy to their attention and kill them off, especially before Paula can basically go and kill Billy herself. So, like I said, Chris goes off with Kurt. We have, uh, you know, Max goes off with her mom, Nancy, at this point. Gertie, she goes off with the African-American guy with the earring that is really in a new way for some reason. Vicky goes off with Paula, and then that's basically it. And then I think Tina is also left with Paula and Vicky at the same time. So they're all being watched and making sure that they don't do anything weird, especially, you know, to get themselves or to have Billy show up. Uh, Chris explains to Kurt that if he tries to do anything with his needle dick, he's going to chop it right the fuck off. So he better peep that shit in his pants. Vicky, she's really worried about, you know, where the fucking weapons are. And she's like to Paula, don't you want to know where the chainsaws and shit is? She's like, why? She's like, I know what's going to happen. So she begins to kind of spill the beans, but not totally. We see Gertie, she's totally getting down with the black guy. Um, I don't know what his fucking name is. All I know is he's gonna die, guy. <laughs> but she's with him, and you can see that she's falling for this imaginary character, and it's really fucking weird and kind of cool at the same time. I don't really know. It's one of the weird things that happens in this movie. And then you've got, you know, mom and daughter, they're having an awkward conversation because while she's going to go check up on her, all of a sudden she hears the noise, the Billy noise, because she's in a state of undressed. Get dressed now. My God, Max, what are you doing here? Get out. Nancy, if you go through with this, you're going to get hurt. Kurt said he liked me, okay? He said it. Yeah, they always say it. They just don't act like it. God, you must think I'm a total zero. I just wanted to feel grown up, special. You are special. I'm the shy girl with the clipboard and the guitar. Special to who? Special to me. Who are you, Max? Soak this moment in, babe. Because you're always going to remember me. Oh, shit. Ooh, two for the price of one. You babes just couldn't wait, could you? We're leaving. Too late. Jeannie's already out of the bottle. Make a wish. Ew. Oh, so we get to see Adam Devine all the way down to his underwear, where I think it's just a little too sexy for me to fucking handle for this movie. And Chris runs in telling him, what the hell were you going to do? You know, uh, and basically stops everything from going on. And that's where we kind of get like them explaining exactly what's happening in this film. And we do get one of my favorite lines in this movie, which happens to come from Tina, who in an earlier scene, she discovers like the bottle of Adderall that Vicky has because like she pops him like crazy and she tells him, no, they're my Tic Tacs, but they're not for you. And ends up putting away. But she's kind of an annoying character. But I do love the line that she has in this scene. Lock the windows. Shut the curtains. He can see us. Who is he? Max. You have to tell them about Billy. Oh, God. He's here. Not Billy Murphy. I mean, 
He's just a legend. <gasps> oh, I love legends. Loch Ness, Bigfoot, Bon Jovi. All of them. <laughs> I love that. I love that she puts Bon Jovi in the mix with Bigfoot and Loch Ness. And at that time, like the time this movie was being made, Bon Jovi wasn't a legend yet. And to some, he might not be. But, you know, he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right? So I guess he's kind of a legend nowadays. But necessarily back then, he wouldn't have been a legend just yet. He would have still been kind of early in his career. But still, either that or maybe mean that Bon Jovi, it's like one of those conspiracy theories they have about artists all the time. Like the longest running one before Tom Petty actually died was that Tom Petty died a long time ago and he's been replaced by like a lookalike that's been doing his music ever since. And, you know, Tom Petty, they really don't want to hide the fact because the labels still make money out of, off of him. And that's why he hasn't made a good record since so-and-so year or whatever. I love these things. And that's what maybe that is, too, is that Bon Jovi really isn't real. But honestly, have you ever seen Bon Jovi, like, in person? You've only seen him on video, haven't you? Maybe he isn't real. Maybe he really is a legend. Maybe that would be kind of a cool movie. The Legend of Bon Jovi. And then he could walk around with a six-string guitar and... No, no, that's going too far. Anyway, so here is where, again, the movie gets interesting once again. You kind of see this in the trailer as well. And I wish they hadn't quite ruined this yet. But we see all of them, once they start talking about Billy, that's when Nancy, she goes right ahead into automatic flashback mode and starts taking them into the past and showing them exactly what had happened to Billy you know, previously in the history of the film. Is this... What? Are we home? Oh, God. Why am I colorblind? Am I having a stroke? I think we're in a flashback. It started as just another ordinary day. Little what did the they hell know something was about to go horribly wrong. No one really knows how Billy was before it happened. The counselors hated him, and the other kids bullied him mercilessly. Stop! Where'd you get these clothes, huh? Guys, that's Billy. Come on, Billy. Hey, what are you little idiots doing? Billy's in there, and he's been in there forever. Billy locked himself in the outhouse thinking he'd be safe, but he was wrong. Billy! Billy, open up! I know how to get him out. So now we're in the past of the whole film, and we're getting to that point again where they're going to play the quote-unquote prank on poor Billy here by throwing the firecrackers inside of the outhouse, which is so ridiculous at the same time once again. Like, they even show, the like, at least in the beginning, it didn't seem like it was that long. You know, I exaggerated a little bit. It made it seem like it was a lot longer. But when you look at it here, it truly does look like it's a foot long of fucking firecrackers. And that's what they're going to throw at the poor little kid inside of the porta potty So, of course, the story goes in a little bit further once they pull the quote-unquote prank. Billy had third-degree burns all over his body because of the counselor's prank. And the only thing that could distract Billy from his terrible pain was thinking about what had been done to him. And during those long, agonizing nights in the burn ward, Billy's fear was slowly replaced by something else. Hatred. His face would never be the same. And so he made a mask to hide his scars on the outside. 
but his anger grew on the inside. All Billy wanted was to make everyone as afraid as he was on that terrible day. He started his reign of terror by returning to exact his revenge. There was one thing I forgot to talk about before we went into the second clip, and that was about how the world became a flashback world. I thought the effect was really well done. It's one of the better CGI effects that they actually do in this film, and there's actually a couple of scenes that are well used, and one of them is in there. Uh, the flashback effect. It looks like all the walls are melting, and it's like liquid that's coming from, and everything just turns black and white once the effect has covered the camera as well and then dissolves. And so when you see them kind of walking around when they're talking about it, it says, you know, what the year is. And it's like a little title card on the screen. But as they're walking to see what's going on with Billy, they all have to step over the words. And I really like how the effect is done. Uh, we also have here with them, with poor Billy here, the only thing that he knows because of what they've done to him because... They made him uglier, I guess, because they didn't like the fact that he was ugly in the first place. They decided, or he decided to put a mask on because all the burns that he had, everything, they were able to treat all the third degree burns except for what was on his face. So we never are able to see Billy's face ever again. And we never see him as a kid as well because he covers his head, like his eyes the entire time. Like we see an eye and that's about it. But most of his face is covered by his arm whenever he's running around and being teased by the other kids for, again, being ugly. Like, that's the only reason why poor Billy was tortured and fucking burned with, like, a string of fucking firecrackers because camp counselors don't like you and that's the best way for them to fucking deal with you. So... You know what? Props to fucking Billy because I might have done the same thing. And he decided to do like, like rain hell on these guys for the time that he was in the fucking like hospital recovering from all of these burns. And he creates this mask and he does it all by hand. This isn't like completely following Friday the 13th. Like I was afraid he was going to do the whole storyline. And here it's a little different. Instead of him getting drowned in the lake, he's burned by a quote unquote prank. You know, but he doesn't have his mom helping anything, and that's not like a big twist that's going on. And if you've never seen Friday the 13th, I just spoiled that for you, but you should have seen it, so you're fuck out of luck. It's been how many fucking years since that movie's been around? If you've never seen Friday the 13th, go fucking see it. Not that fucking remake they did. Go see the original, okay? Watch Kevin Bacon get a fucking arrow through his throat. So, they're basically watching him become Billy the killer through this montage and we see here now he's going to get revenge on top of the counselors and what does he do he goes to each bed and slams his machete inside of each one of the bed like counselor beds that are there killing eight counselors for the eight months that he spent in the hospital he killed eight counselors that night one for every month he spent in that hospital bed and legend has it, Billy still lives in these woods in his own little shack, waiting for new counselors to cross his path, waiting to get revenge again and again. So they now all of a sudden are transferred back into the regular timeline of the movie. And while they were killing, while well, Billy was killing the camp counselors in the bed, some of the blood splatter got all over the face of Gertie. And when she came back, she has the blood all over her face. So the counselors now, and like I said, what I liked what happened when they started telling the tale, they followed the movie script by all looking at her like, 
she's talking. It's time to get into the circle. And they all get into the circle that you see in the trailer and a little bit in the beginning of the movie. And then when everybody comes back, they look over at the, the guys like, you're there and you've got blood all over your face. And they just explain to them that Billy is real and Billy is going to come out and kill them. So, of course, the counselors are going to have a negative reaction to the whole thing and think that they're associated with Billy because blood is now over Gertie's face. It causes Kurt and Paula to run outside, jump into Paula's car, and let's just say that the final girl doesn't actually make it. Closer. Okay, just listen. We can explain. You can't leave. None of us can. Not until he's dead. Until who's dead? Billy Murphy. What? I'm just trying to save you. Why? Why are you trying to save me? Well, because you're my... My first friend here. and just relax for the night and maybe we could get into something. Oh my God, Kurt! Oh my God! Paul! She's still alive! Paul, don't move! So surprise, Duncan wasn't dead. He actually had survived a machete to like the side of his stomach. And yet when he comes out, then he gets hit by Paula's Firebird and thrown off to the side, which causes her to crash, throw fucking Kurt from the window because he's not wearing a seatbelt, kids. Make sure you keep your seatbelt on. But that also causes her to die in a fiery blaze. Now, Duncan getting hit... That is perfectly fine. It looks fine. looks great. It looks practical. Her crashing? Wonderful. I love it. And the car explosion and everything like that. Not done in CGI. <laughs> Kurt looks terrible. <laughs> like, he's like, he hits the ground and he's all bent backwards. But it obviously looks like really shitty CGI that he was done instead of doing. Because his legs are like wobbling. It looks terrible. But I don't know if it's done like that just to like that's how it would have looked inside of this type of movie or it was just literally oh we're gonna do that and that's just the way that it's gonna look it like the kills when they're not cgi they're great when they are they kind of suck so this is one of the ones where it kind of sucks so now that paula is dead there's no more final girl kurt's dead and duncan truly is dead Everybody gathers up inside of the cabin where all the counselors are staying and finally they break down and they explain exactly what is going on and that they are all involved in a horror movie. Oh, we're in a movie? But this is a horror movie and Billy Murphy's really after all of us. Why do I have to wear all this stuff again? Because you're scripted to do a strip tease at the slumber party and when you take your top off, Billy comes running. But why does he hate my boobs? Because they're not big. So, wait, is New Wave real? Yeah. Yeah, of course. But I'm not real. 
You're only real in the movie. So, yeah, you're real here. Oh, cool. Guys, we just want to get home. But, but, okay. But you said Paula was the only one who could kill him, and she just died. Exactly. Which is why we need to nominate a new final girl. And I'm willing to be it. <clears throat> what? Well, you're not a virgin. I am, too, a virgin. I technically am that... Whatever, what does it matter? Because it just does, Vicky. You have to be a virgin in this movie in order to kill Billy, okay? And the only true blue virgin here is Max. I'm not the only virgin. Girl, you're a virgin. No, I'm not anymore. <sighs> Last summer with that guy, Jerry, he had, like, the weird mustache and he, like, winked, remember? Isn't he autistic? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But he's also very romantic. Damn, super freak. I like. Okay, let's make a plan. Yeah. We need to get Billy's machete. The one he's holding? Yeah, Duncan said that's the only way to kill him. Everything else just slows him down. So we're supposed to just pry it from his hands? Well, we don't really have any other options, okay? Look, we just have to get his machete into Max's hands so she can chop his head off, end the movie, and we can all go home. No. No way, I can't do this. See, she's even saying that she can't do it. Vicky, enough. Jesus, can you just shut up for a second? God, I can't believe I put up with you for so long. Max, you got this. No. Max, you can do this. If it wasn't for you, we'd all be dead burning in a theater right now. Yeah, and look where I got us. I can do it. I can be the final girl. I'm a virgin, too. I didn't sleep with Kurt, so um, now I guess I'll be able to save myself for George Michael after all. Go ahead and hold your breath, honey. Why? Why is that? That's actually the line that Vicky says right after there. And I just cut it a little early. I don't know why. Probably because I didn't want to go back and redo the whole thing. <laughs> but nonetheless, why? Because, well, he's dead. Well, right now he is. I think even at the time of the movie, he might have been dead, which is sad at the same time. But at least back in the 80s, he was gay. So <laughs> that's something that not many people knew. But there's a lot of go that's kind of going on in the scene. First, Vicky can't be it because she's a fucking slut, uh, or that she's already had sex. Uh, and then she's like, well, you know, technically I am, so that means did she take it up the butt? Because I guess she's no longer a butt virgin, she's just a vag virgin? Like, <laughs> does that really matter when it comes out of this? Like, she's done everything else, but she hasn't done vaginal sex. At least that's kind of what she's implying. Unless she has, like, somebody's put it in, but the hymen hasn't been broken. I, I don't know. I don't want to get further into it, but that's it. And then you have Gertie here, and she's like, I'm not a virgin either. I slept with somebody that was autistic. And the response is from the black guy, like, all right, super freak. Like, what? <laughs> like, how's that super freak? Because she didn't have sex with, like, I, I don't want to say a regular person, but um, a non-autistic person? Like, what the hell, like, is wrong with you, guy? <laughs> I also like his like old thing is like okay, but new wave is real, right? <laughs> like how ridiculous is that? Your first thought is, wait, is the genre of music I like to listen to is that real? And then it's like, yeah, okay, phew, wait, but I'm not real. And then she does a good job of like basically telling him yes and no, but like in the context of the film, you're real, but you are a film character, so technically you're not real. Somebody else is you living outside of this realm. 
And it's kind of an odd situation that he's the one to ask it and not necessarily really, you know, Nancy here. And I'm pretty sure that Max would have spilled a little more of the beans, but, you know, she's also trying to make sure that everything goes the right way. Again, I don't know if really they are really thinking their plan through. Only a virgin can be the one to kill Billy. They kind of are when they're thinking with, you know, Max, because she is the only virgin that can possibly do it. But then, of course, Nancy, now that she hasn't slept with Kurt, and you hear at the end of that, she all of a sudden could be the final girl of the film. But this is where I kind of get into the world of the film. Like, I really want to know exactly how does this work? Like, for them to survive, do they just stay with the final girls? Or does the whole term final girl really mean final girl like it does in most horror movies? Like, which is the way that they're going to go with these things? And I, you know, I struggle with it a little bit when it comes to this film because on part of me it feels like there should be there could be more than just one because they're not really part of the world of the universe if they just stood out did nothing maybe just let the movie and they go like duncan said earlier just see the credits and let everything go as it is then maybe nothing would have really happened bad to everybody else except for duncan being a fucking dumbass and trying to take a selfie with billy that fucked him over. But the fact that they're telling everybody, but look, this is where you are, you're stuck in this movie, you know, things are never going to change for you, like, it kind of ruins the world that this movie has built for those characters, right? So maybe they should just stuck to the script, but I can understand, like, Max's position, for example, and kind of Vicky's. The only two people that really aren't, like, super, like, we're going to get to this stuff is Gertie over here and fucking Chris, right? Chris, he's just like, okay, I'm going to go with the way everything is going. And Gertie over here is just trying to bone the uh, new wave guy that's uh, with his little fucking Native American fucking earpiece that he's got over here. So they all decide that they're going to, you know, come up with some type of plan to make sure that they actually get the machete inside the hands of fucking Max over here so they can kill Billy. The other thing that's funny that you don't get to see here is the way that uh, Tina, Nina, whatever the fuck her name is, the slut of the film, the way that she's all fucking dressed up. She's got a life preserver. She's got her hands fucking wrapped up with uh, duct tape wrapped around gloves so that she can't take off any of her clothes because she's going to be wanted to strip and she's totally going to bring Billy and Billy is just going to kill everybody because they're supposed to have some big slumber party and that's what kind of starts the massacre that's going on at this point. So they don't want to start that right away. They want to make sure that they control everything and they actually are able to stop Billy in time, you know, before he totally kills every single person and not just the, the characters that are supposed to to die in the movie so we see then from here we have this weird heartfelt moment between max and nancy because now that nancy's been told the truth of what's going to become of her she's all of a sudden having some weird existential crisis of the fact that she is going to die but max still doesn't really let on the fact that hey you're my mother in like my life and I'm trying to save you in this film because I still want my mother around. Are we really gonna die? Yeah. So I guess I never grow up or 
fall in love or have kids. I had this dream that when I graduated college, I would meet a guy and we'd have a baby, a girl. And if she ever needed me, I would do anything for her, anything. I would have made a really great mom. sucks. It's so bogus. I should have known something was up with this place. I mean, think about it. What the hell kind of summer camp has waterbeds? <sighs> That's true, but you're written for this role, so hey, guess what? The summer camp has waterbeds. And they also don't have any fucking kids. And it's also the smallest fucking summer camp that there is, and you don't go anywhere but fucking upstairs and inside of the room. Like, you really don't do a whole lot. Like, everything is, like, pre-planned for you, and it's just kind of weird, isn't it? Like, you never break character, but it's weird now because all of a sudden the, these characters have become sentient, and it makes me wonder if anybody is watching this film on the outside, like, are we the ones that were meant to pop this in the VCR from the beginning of the film, and we started watching it, and all of a sudden this is what we're seeing as we watch the film, because everything has changed so much? It's kind of weird, kind of crazy, and I kind of want to see what somebody that, say, decided this day, I'm going to sit and I'm going to watch Camp Bloodbath, and all of a sudden, everything that you see that's happening in this film is what's actually happening. Even though you've seen it millions of times before, all of a sudden you're getting this weird, like, director's cut out of the same VHS that you've been watching forever. Because if you're going to watch horror movies and really want to watch them authentically, especially when they're from the 80s, you pull up your VCR and you pop in that fucking VHS and you watch that shit the way it is. So after this little heartfelt moment, we kind of get another weird one that goes on as they're preparing to basically bring Billy in there. And that's when Vicky, she sheds her heart to both Max and Gertie. Gertie. I'm sorry for that time in junior high when I told everyone to start calling you Pachunka Dunk, and then I covered your locker in bacon. That was so crappy. I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad person. You're not. It's okay. If it makes you feel better, last summer, I'm the one who spread the rumor that said you had a weird disease where you were always on your period. Wow, that's evil. Thank you. Hey, Max? If I'm gonna die tonight, then I don't want to die without telling you that when your mom died, you shut down completely and just cut me out of your life. And I missed you. I missed our friendship. And then you two became best friends, and I don't know, I got jealous. And so I did some really bad things, and I'm not proud of them. Vicky. No, 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 just let me finish, okay? I know that I've become a, a... A... A bitch? Yes, thank you. But the thing is, Max, I've always looked up to you. Because you were always the brave one. So be brave again. Vicky, you don't have to die. I'm the mean girl in the 80s horror movie, and we're past the midpoint, so, you know. I'd say that I've overstayed my welcome. 
this is where I really enjoy that the, even the characters that are inside the movie, they realize that they're stereotypes themselves of other characters in other horror movies and that they're going to end up exactly like their counterparts would if they were written into the movie. So she's already passed off the fact that she's this character, she's not going to last the rest of the movie, so she's trying to make up for everything that went on. And it's kind of fucked up as Max as well because she used to be really good friends with Vicky and the fact that when her mother died, she totally threw Vicky to the curb. You know, that made Vicky change the way that she was because she got kind of jealous that she used to be Max's best friend, but no longer is she BFFs. All of a sudden, she's friends with this fucking nerd that just makes stupid fucking jokes all the time and, I don't know, has freckles on her face and is not pretty as she is. I don't, I don't know, but it's the stereotypical character and it's kind of that turnaround where the mean girl finally realizes that she has to step up to the plate and she knows exactly what's going to come of her in the film. I really enjoy these types of moments. It's kind of an odd, weird moment, but I really enjoy the character growth and how faithful they are to kind of these tropes that are in these horror movies and they're basically following it along with the existing characters that have been added to this film uh, and hopefully we see a change for the better as the film goes along. So they prepare everything and they start setting up everything with their traps and everything that's going on and then even out of this you get a kind of another odd scene, another weird moment between Max and Nancy where Max basically, you know, tries to convince Nancy that maybe she could actually live outside of this movie. God, your parents must be freaking out right now. I mean, you've been gone for hours. They must be so worried about you. Not really. Never knew my dad. And my mom's away. What's she like? She, uh... She was so beautiful. And funny. She never knew how awesome she was. How'd she die? Never said she died. You said was, so I just figured. It's okay. You don't have to tell me. Here, I'm going to have this. It's a friendship bracelet. So you don't forget me. How could I ever forget you? You know, if this all works out, I'm really going to miss you. When you go home, I mean. Oh, God, I sound totally molded. I, I know we just met. It's silly for me to say that. It's just... I guess it's like, who am I going to talk to after you leave, you know? Tina? She's not very smart. Maybe you don't have to. I don't? But, I mean, I carpool with her to camp. It's kind of inevitable. No, I mean, maybe you don't have to stay here. Look, I know in the movie you're supposed to die, but that doesn't mean you have to, right? Right. And if you don't die, then that means you'll be around at the end of the movie, when we leave. Right. So then... Who's to say you can't just, you can't just come home with me? Oh my God. Where's home? The valley. The valley. I don't, I don't know, Max. I don't know. You're just you're kind of blowing my mind right now. No. Think about it. If, if you come home with me, you can be whoever you want. You don't have to be the, the shy girl with the clipboard and the guitar. And you could... You I could, could, like, go to college. Right. And drive a convertible. Totally. And go shopping at the mall. <laughs> Actually, people don't really shop at malls anymore. They shop online. What's online? Never mind. I made that up. Just keep, keep going. Okay, but... Well, I want to shop online, and I want to start over. You know, I could, I could be different in the valley. 
Now, there's nothing that I've seen so far in this movie that would make me believe that they would be able to take her out of the film. Now, it's weird because there's different parts that kind of leave from other parts of the film, like the blood, for example, that was on top of Gertie's face. Like, that actually transferred from there to here, you know, the flashback to the present day of everything. So, I guess there's a possibility that she could actually take her mom out of there, and she really would be able to carry Nancy on as Nancy and have her mom in her life, even though her mom is dead, if she can survive to the end of the fucking film. But again... There's still something that's bothering me at this point, which is, this is like, either going on about a final girl, and that still is singular, so can this actually be done? I don't know. There's a funny scene with Tina as well inside of the kitchen, where she's looking at the cell phone of uh, Vicky, and Vicky has the iPhone, and she's looking at it, and she's like, what the hell is this? She's like, it's a phone. Oh yeah, it can't be a phone, it doesn't have an accord. Ooh, what am I gonna do, talk on this? But she's able to actually use the phone with the oven mitts on, which bothers the living shit out of me, but that's a minor gripe. So... From here, they all now are all ready to go, and they all have their different goals and different things that they're all going to do to help stop Billy. And Tina has managed to also get inside of the Adderall that Vicky had and have like 35 different fucking pills. So she's fucking amped as all shit. And she's raring to go and she knows that she can do this. And they're like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, I fucking got this. I can totally fucking strip. So then they go down the roll call and they get ready to call Billy to the cabin. All right, guys, this is it. Sound off. Ready. Fucking A, I always knew hair metal was going to bring on the evil. So Tina, she decides to, well, at that point, because the music's playing, and when fucking Cherry Pie comes on, you know, no fucking chick in a horror movie in the 80s is not not going to strip to that. So she starts tearing everything off, and I don't know how she managed to get the gloves off so quickly, because... They were all fucking taped up unless they started removing them right away. And if that's what they did, then she fucking throws them off, starts throwing everything, and it isn't until she lifts the top of her bikini top off that all of a sudden you hear the Billy noise and here comes fucking Billy. And then she starts freaking the fuck out. So she runs backwards as he comes towards the cabin. She trips and falls, her head lands in the bear trap, and boom, Tina is fucking dead. Billy comes into the house, up top on the stairs, they cut the totem pole so that it slides into the room, and it sl like slaps Billy and throws him all the way across, and he hits a fucking deer antler, and now he's stuck to the wall on top of the antlers. It could be deer, it could be anything else, but basically gets impaled on those. And Gertie's so into the, the new wave guy that she gives him a kiss and says, screw it. And he's all excited. He go down, goes downstairs where he's promptly fucking killed by Billy. So they all run upstairs trying to escape from Billy. And they try to trap him in one of the rooms where there's basically like they put kerosene inside of a bucket or gasoline. And it's going to dump on top of him. And they're going to set him on fire. But instead, when they try to get it going... 
Of course, it doesn't work. It breaks. It's Vicky and Gertie. They're there. Uh, Nancy has already started leaving the room. Chris and Max are starting to go away. They also load them up with fucking, like, arrows all over the place. They have all these fire arrows that they've shot into him. So he's kind of on fire at the same time. So, since it doesn't fucking work and they can't dump the gas on him, Billy knocks down one of the bookshelves on top of both Gertie and Vicky, then stabs Gertie with his machete through the bookshelf, and then right before she's gonna die, Vicky says go, and then that's when he get he stabs her. She manages to knock over the gasoline on a now flaming Billy, and then they get blown outside of the cabin in a big slow motion scene. And I really enjoyed the slow motion scene that they set up because everything slows down. The music that's going in the background, the way that they talk, you know, of course, the every visuals and everything on the screen. But it's like you're immersed in that world at the point that the slow-mo is actually happening. So they do a little bit of it in the trailer, but it doesn't seem as, as effective as it could be. But it's a lot more effective because it's a lot longer of a scene. Because it's not just them getting blown off and blown onto the grass. It's also Billy jumping out of the window and landing in front of them in slow motion. And then actually chasing after them as they go through and try to escape Billy at this point. They all go, uh, and they basically get to a point where they have to jump across like a little river. Like, I thought it was like something really big, and it's like a very tiny creek. And that's when they, you know, as they're jumping, and Billy reaches out his hand, and he's able to grab Chris's leg for a second, that the slow motion scene stops, and then all of a sudden, they're about to be attacked by Billy, but Max has a very good idea. Flashback! 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 What? Just say the words! What words? Uh, Billy Murphy was a, a, a kid who went to camp years ago. Tell me the story again! Hurry! And he was picked up for being different, ugly... Keep going! Don't stop! And what's up the hottest one on record? The kids decided to play a little prank on him! So she manages to take both of them and Nancy back into Nancy talking about the flashback as well as Billy and then the car that you know drives around with the lollipop song all of a sudden smacks right into him. He plows through the text that shows up on screen during the flashback and then they are able to grab his machete but they're going through the whole story. When they look back over at him after they've thrown the you know firecrackers inside of the outhouse they look and Billy is completely gone. They look back over again and they follow Billy because they see that where he goes directly after getting the fireworks put and there's some building that's over in the distance and Max kind of looks and says, that's something that's different. Uh, after everything is finished, they come back into the real time and then there's Billy once again and Billy manages to injure Chris and kidnap Nancy. Chris then tells Max that, look, she's gone. That's the end for her. We need to make sure that we survive out of the film. And he stops her from following after Nancy and Billy. And they manage to actually take like, take refuge inside of a church. Or so it seems. Uh, and that's when Chris basically says to her, you know, hey, I really don't want to die alone. And I don't think Nancy is going to survive. 
Keep pressure on it. Don't move, I'll be back. She's dead. She's supposed to die just like the rest of them. No, she's lived this far into the movie longer than she ever has before. She's not real. None of this is real. Yes, she is. Max, wait. I don't want to die alone. Listen to me. You're not going to die. Nobody else is dying tonight. I know exactly where he's taking her. So she takes the machete and then follows after where Billy is gone, which happens to be the place that she saw him run off to when he got hurt by all the firecrackers that were going on. She goes inside and she sees all the camp counselors there, their bodies all mutilated or on the walls, and you see that Nancy's in a corner, but she's still alive. She fights off Billy, manages to get Nancy and take her out and bring her back to the place where Chris is, but not before Billy manages to injure her as well. So she's sitting there, both her and Chris are hurt and basically starting to die. And that's when Nancy looks at her and she realizes that, hey, you know, I need to do something and I need to fulfill my role in this movie. Sit down. I know how to fix it. You're not the final girl yet, Max, because of me. I'm still alive. No. Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm already dying, so you could survive. You can be the final girl. No, Max, no. That's not who I'm supposed to be, remember? I'm just the shy girl with the clipboard and the guitar. Yeah, but you want to change that. Honey, let me do this. No. Max. I'm not afraid. I wanted to save you. Oh, Max. You did. You did, Max. Just by letting me be here with you. I've never felt more real or more alive ever before. No. Mom, you belong at home with me. Look, you're... Your name is Amanda Cartwright, and you live in Encino, and, and you love Betty Davis' eyes, and Mel's diner, and you wanted to be the biggest movie star more than anything in the world. And you had a daughter. You have a daughter. I'm not going back without you. I don't want to lose you again. Max. I'm not lost. I'm right here, right? You'll always know where to find me, okay? You have to let me go. You have to let me go. So we get that little heartfelt moment once again where, you know, Nancy, finally she's kind of coming to the realization what she needs to do. We also get Max. She finally lets break that Nancy is her mom in her real life. And we finally get to the kind of realization from Nancy and, well, and Max that Max needs to let everything just kind of go. 
Like, her mother is gone. I'm not saying, like, move past the fact that her mother is dead. What I mean is trying to stop, make Nancy, like, that one saver. Like, she, her life has basically been about not letting go the fact that her mom actually has passed. And to just live her life like her mom would have wanted her to. I'm not saying that you can't let memories die, anything like that. But the way things go when people deal with death is that, you know, you can't let it run your life for the rest of your life just because somebody you loved is gone. Maybe that's something harsh to say, but it's kind of something that we all need to realize and something that eventually does happen for most people. And for the ones that can't let it go, it ruins and basically messes up their life. So you kind of have this weird revelation that's happening because of a fake character in a horror movie. Um, and, you know, again, whether you agree with me or not, I'm not saying forget the people and just move on, but don't let it run your everyday thoughts, and that's kind of what's happened in this film. So, the other thing is, is that the realization that Nancy truly has is that there cannot be a final girl unless there is only one girl. Hence, kind of what I've thought the whole movie, which is that everything needed to be called the final girls, you know, because, one, they were all kind of like, I thought because it's called that, that that's what it was. They were it. But they truly were the two final girls left in the movie, which was Nancy and Max. And because Max could finally let go of that sense of dread with her mom, at the same time, Nancy realizes that, yeah, she needs to die in order to have Max and her friends actually have a chance. So she goes out into the field where the lightning storm starts, Betty Davis' eyes starts playing, and she starts dancing and stripping, and then you hear the sounds of Billy coming, and Billy comes and actually kills her. And when he does kill Nancy, and you see her looking back directly at Max, and Max is you know, finally letting everything go, that's where you get one of my favorite, other favorite lines in this movie. We just fucked with the wrong virgin. And now she's totally repaired, and she's ready to go, and she is the final girl of the movie, and she is the one that's able to finally kill Billy and stop everything from happening. There's a very interesting fight that they go through, and they kind of do back and forths, and Billy is trying to, you know, uh, get a hold of everything, but she's got her machete that she's slicing at him with, and eventually, after some interesting things where Billy throws a dagger at her, and she does the power rock slide underneath it, and is able to dodge it perfectly, gets up, and then, you know, cuts off his head, and that's the end of Billy, and the credits begin to roll. And we actually go all the way through every single credit of the original film to the point where it goes to that film strip that used to be at the end of it that would show you what was rated and it was like different colors and stuff like the for this one ours was blue that you'd see at the end of the film strips that you really don't see anymore which makes me kind of a wish that those were back and it also makes me wish that we were back in a time where the trailers were actually at the end of the films rather than at the beginning but Hey, I've always seemed to have them at the beginning of the films, not really necessarily at the end. So 
what do I know? I just kind of want to go back to that old time because I think that's actually kind of a cool thing. We can get to the movie almost right away and then we can watch trailers later, but that's beside the point, especially the way that some of these movies do it where they put little stingers in at the end. You'd have the stinger and then all of a sudden you watch a bunch of trailers and be cool. But that doesn't really work for marketing purposes, does it? Anyway, so they, you know, Chris is still alive. Max is still alive. They watch the credits. They kiss because they finally realize that they could probably be together. They're sad that everybody else is dead. Then all of a sudden, everything starts shaking on the film. They're like, what the hell is going on? Everything fades to white. And then all of a sudden, we're in a hospital room. And we see Max is now waking up like she did the first time that she woke up out on the field when, you know, Kurt and Tina were driving up. And she looks over and she sees that Chris is in the bed. But then all of a sudden we start hearing some other familiar voices inside of the room. Was it a dream or? No, not at all. Remember? Oh, that is a machete wound, poorly stitched by an incompetent doctor. I'm actually more concerned about tetanus, though, because the machete had a bit of rust on it, and I did not see the doctor give me a shot. Duncan, <laughs> I love you, and I'm so happy you survived, but do you hear yourself when you say things? God. Do you hear the words in your head first? And she's back. I feel like the jock. So everybody is somehow alive and they're all waiting for them to wake up. Like these three have been here for some time. So I guess maybe when they got killed, they got transported to this hospital and they're just waiting for them to show up, whether or not they actually become the final girl and she's able to actually kill off Billy or what the hell is going on. But they're here. She's excited that everything is there and she looks down on her arm and she sees that the friendship bracelet that Nancy gave her traveled over with her into the hospital so she's sitting there she's staring at it then all of a sudden we hear what the twist is in this movie and this is what i thought was going to happen right so what happens actually does happen except for it's at the end of the film i thought that they were going to just go into the second blood camp movie and they were going to travel through that but they ended up staying for the whole movie inside of you know, Camp Bloodbath 1, uh, and here we hear the sounds of Billy, and we hear something going on in the hallway that probably shouldn't be happening between a doctor and a nurse, and then we see that they haven't actually made it back to their world. They're actually stuck in the world of Camp Bloodbath 2, Cruel Summer. My shift's almost over. I have to do my rounds. What beautiful rounds they are. Oh my god, of course. 
Enforce what? <laughs> This is so great. This sequel is so much cooler than the original. Get it? They used the Cruel Summer theme song or the song uh, for the end of the movie because, you know, that's the title of the next film. So now I did a little bit of uh, trickery there at the end of it because it actually breaks into something else that I am going to play for you guys at the end of the podcast that I really enjoyed, which was the bloopers from the film. They did a lot of them at the end, but instead of going through the three theme in like three minutes of bloopers, um, I'm, I just cut into the song. So if there's a little bit of a, bit of a jump there, um, that's because I'm trying to match it up as best I can, and I think it did it damn good job of making it seem like it was seamless but i'm telling you the magic on the back end um so but overall you know i really enjoyed this film um the the biggest things that you can take away from it and even with this little ending here i kind of wish that maybe they had gone into it a little sooner but it looks like because one they're able to take billy within time and two they were actually able to take the nancy you know the bracelet over into the other movie there's a possibility that maybe nancy could have actually come along but there had to be one final girl and it had to be max and who knows you know because they were like, nobody's a virgin. Well, I guess maybe she wasn't a virgin. She was a slut. I'm talking about the one inside the uh, uh, forest that first gets killed. Um, because we don't really, you know, she didn't really sleep with the guy. She just kind of made out with him. Then he showed up and poor hiker got killed. And then the poor girl got killed as well. So we don't know exactly what happened there or if different people could have been the final girl or if nancy could have been the final girl and then all of a sudden she would have showed up in the next movie alongside of everybody else or the fact that she had to be the final girl and that's the only way they all could have survived so it makes you wonder what's going to go on with the sequel and it sucks because i kind of actually want a sequel to this movie because i want to see camp bloodbath 2 and what takes place in camp bloodbath 2 and then what you know exactly happened with them and said especially since the last thing that we saw was tessa formiga like max was running right at billy and then all of a sudden everything cut and we went to cruel summer and bloopers so it makes me really want to know what's going on and i would love it if i could see the original version of this film because i don't know i feel like honestly as much as i like this movie I think I would have rather seen that at points. Like, I really wanted to see it rather than what happened. I mean, we already went through like a 92-minute jump. But 
it's still fine the way it is. I still really enjoy this movie. What I enjoy the most is how, like, in-depth into the world that they were and into the lore of the world. Like I said, everybody, like, when the characters that are in the movie actually... When it's this movie point, they all gather like they would in the movie, or they all act exactly the same way. Like, nothing seems weird that they're going to be doing this stuff. It really has a last action hero vibe, especially when we're in Arnold's world, you know, and they're doing all these crazy things, and just like, oh yeah, that really happens, and you know, things just kind of blow up all the time. We're here... They're not, like, self-aware of the things that go on in their world. They just follow a script, right? And they're always trying to get back to that script the, the entire time that the characters, even though, you know, Max and Chris and Vicky and Gertie, they all tell the characters what they need to do. They all still want to revert to their movie characters. I really, really enjoy that. The acting in this movie this is also pretty good. It's pretty believable. Uh, you know, Tessa Formiga, sometimes she's hit or miss for me. I think she did a pretty decent job. I really enjoyed Milditch and Divine. Even though they kind of acted like themselves, I really felt that they were great in the scenes that they were in. A yeah, little bit too much Divine, especially during the scene with Paula when they were escaping. But overall, I think he fits the mold of that type of character really, really well. And it makes me really enjoy the film. Um... Everybody else, I thought, did a decent job. The only person that was kind of wasted, I feel like Gertie was a little wasted, but I really liked the actress and how she portrayed her. And the person that was like the new wave guy, like, I wish we had seen a little more, but from just the trailers, all I know, he's got his head chopped off and it was placed inside of the fridge. So, there you go. So, if I have to go down and I have to rate this film like I always do... Um, the gore of the film, I'm gonna give it a 2 out of 5. It's not really gory. It's got a couple little scenes, a couple knives through people, uh, things that happen to Billy, you know, the head chopping off and things. But the counselors really don't get a whole lot. Uh, you get a little more inside, like, the trailer and the other pieces than you do. But, you know, there's still a couple scenes that are a little bit, uh, you know, it would be entertaining for what it is. The crap factor, it's a 3 out of 5, because there's people like Tina that really fucking, that character annoys the crap out of me. They don't really do much with the new wave guy, and there's no real reason for him and Gertie to be into each other. They just kind of are. And there's some bad CGI effects when it comes to the some of the deaths, and it, you know, it could be better for what it is. I wish they had done a couple of things a little more practical, especially the car crash in the beginning of the movie. And there are times where it's just kind of like, uh, it drags just a little bit, and the little nitpicking things that I have here. The fun factor of the film, I'm giving it a, a, a four out of five. I think the idea is really good, I think that it's executed very well. It's, it's hard to be. Like, well, you listen to this and you're like, was it really executed well? When you watch it in context of the movie, I think it is. If you really like Scream and you like that franchise, I think you're really going to like this. It really gave me that vibe. The, the, we know we're in a horror movie, like, and these are the things that you have to watch out for. Like, it even felt like they were aware of the movie that they were in right now. But at the same time, the other characters, the scripted characters, didn't know what was going on. So it was a weird dynamic between the two sets of characters that I think worked out really well. 
though the kind of like heartfelt scenes didn't necessarily need to be in them, but I understand it was for Max's growth. And she really grew by the end of the film and when we got to the point where she knew, knew that she could let her mom go because she will always be in her memories and always be a part of her life, even if she isn't a part of her life right now. And maybe she blames herself because, hey, she's the one that knocked everything on the ground, but your mom was fucking dancing and talking to you, not paying attention to the fucking road as it was, so it's not completely your fault, just a portion of it. So overall, I'm going to give this four flying douchebags out of a car out of five. I think it's very, very entertaining. I really liked the way the characters interacted within the movie. It's just fun to kind of watch them kind of figure everything out. Some people may disagree with me. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a couple that do, but... I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed the movie. And it's one of those films where, you know, I start something with, you know, my wife in the room and we're watching it. And then all of a sudden, if she is just not totally into it or whatever, she'll pay attention to her phone and she'll walk away or she'll go to bed or whatever it is. And then I'll watch the rest of it because she doesn't like to watch the movies when I watch them for the podcast because I'm constantly pausing. I'm constantly writing stuff down. But with this... She stayed the entire time, and she really enjoyed it. So, I, it speaks boundaries for me. If she can really enjoy me watching the movies the way I do when I do them for the podcast, then the film has to have some type of merit to it. So, it's, in my mind, like, even but though even without that, watching it, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And it could be because that this, the humor and everything is up my alley. The fact that it's so referential, that it's so self-aware, that everything just kind of fits into the movie. So, um, I definitely recommend if you are very interested, especially after listening to this and watching the movie, go ahead and do it. It is available to rent on multiple platforms. Go ahead, go out there, uh, rent them on your favorite one. Um, you know, I wish this was on a streaming service like Shudder or Netflix or Hulu or something like that. It just isn't. It might be available on YouTube somewhere if somebody decided to do something, but don't take my word for it. I'm not sure if it actually, because it's 2015, I don't know if people are actually going to go crazy gaga over looking for it. So, with that being said, what are we doing for the next film? Well, I wanted to continue with the trend of doing more recent horror movies uh, that we have out there. And there was one that I actually heard about from the Beyond the Void horror podcast they did a while ago. And it's now available on Amazon Prime for you to watch. And it's a movie called Hole in the Ground. You know, when I was your age, I moved town once too. You'll settle in, sweetie. Maybe. We're going to be happy living here, I promise. Sweetie? Chris? Mom? Never run off me like that again, okay? Good morning, mommy. Where did you get those? Do you ever look at your kids and not recognize them? He's not himself. Mom, look out! It's not your boy. He's not your 
She didn't mean him any harm, you know. Chris reminded her of her son. What happened to him? She was convinced that he was an imposter. It's not Chris. It's not him. <laughs> Any history of disorders in your family? Mummy, what's wrong? You're not my son. Tell me the truth. I am. Stop lying. I'm not lying. Mummy, where are you? So this seems to be a very polarizing movie from what I've seen with some of the reviews out there. The other thing that's a little bit wary for me is this is an A24 production, but this could be because they, you know, it's a, I believe an Irish film, um, and at least what I think from the, it could be different, could be Scottish, I don't know, but, um, from the basis of the trailer, it could be just something that they glommed onto and they brought over here and they just helped produce over there. And H24 is kind of a weird mix for me because sometimes they do some really... It's not like a Bloomhouse where it's kind of your generic horror films. They do a lot of horror that is either not truly horror and gets marketed weird or that is horror but it's like psychological horror or it could be just straight up horror too so they've done hit or miss stuff for me in terms of their production as a production company so that does make me a little wary of the film but it's worth checking out i think and it's available for free right now if you have amazon prime you can watch it that's the way that i'm gonna see it um so make sure that you watch that if you're interested for the next podcast um, and uh, we'll be talking about Hole in the Ground. For this week, the shout-out that I'm going to give is to uh, one of the guys that I follow on Twitter that works with the Preachcast. He's actually the host of the Preachcast as well as, and if I'm saying that right, I'm, you know, I hope so, otherwise I'm sorry. Uh, he's also one of the hosts of another podcast called Switch It Up, which is a uh, you know, a Switch-based podcast, but he does a lot of YouTube stuff, like Let's Plays and other things, um, reviews, um, and that's, uh, you know, at Seth Trav, and you can go ahead and follow him also on YouTube, it's at the Pre the Network, um, where they have all of their different uh, shows that they have out there, it's always fun, I always like talking with a guy, uh, and we kind of go back and forth on a couple different things, I, I feel special because he doesn't follow a whole lot of people, but I'm one of the few people that he does, uh, which always makes me feel like I'm in some like elite club. But definitely go check out his stuff because it's very interesting. I like his Switch reviews, uh, and especially when he goes kind of in-depth into a couple of the games. Because I'm not the biggest Switch guy. I have a Switch, but I don't play it as much as I should. It's only like the specific games that I want, you know, like Smash, Zelda, um, and then Tales of Vesperia um, I ended up picking up. But he does a lot of really cool little like long plays and reviews of different things on that YouTube channel. I think you guys should totally go and check out. So when you go over to the channel or you go follow him on Twitter, make sure that the uh, Terrible Terror podcast, uh, you know, I'm the one that sent you. So that way he knows that we're giving him some love over here. So 
So with that being said, of course, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast, Facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast, YouTube, Terrible Terror Podcast. We've got our reviews, a couple of them up there for Avengers Infinity War, as well as a bunch of other recent movies that we've seen. Uh, And then rate and review us on everything that's out there, whether it's iTunes, it's Google Play, it's Spreaker, Spotify, all that fun stuff. So thank you guys for joining. And next time, don't forget to watch Hole in the Ground, and I'll see you then. Enjoy the bloopers. Mark? I'm just wearing my sweat off with this tampon. <laughs> How about you go suck a turd? That's perfect. So perfectly bad. That's bad. Michael Jackson, bad. Yeah, like that guy's talented. King of pop. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, you killed Duncan. You smell great, by the way. You killed him. I promise I won't tell the cops if we just go have sex. Right now. Later. You know, not, not even scared. Oh, God. Jesus. Oh, sweaty Chris. Oh, time. I've only had sex with tires with my cousin Heather. Honestly. That wasn't your fault, and I won't tell the cops if we don't if we have sex. Let's. <laughs> Look, Chris, you and I don't know each other well, so lose the familiarity. <laughs> what a rude little girl you're being. She's just showing off. She doesn't learn how to not break. Tell me, I'm scared. Oh, I get it, because you've only had sex with, like, one person. I'm a freaking double-digit slayer over here. You probably don't even know this move. (laughs) (laughs) Come walking out like Kramer. Jerry! Well, all my bones are broken, except for the one. I've got to actually talking about this arm. My penis is severely injured. Like split in three different parts. <laughs> okay, okay, people are dying. <laughs> it's not ew. It's not ew. Too sexy? Was it too sexy? Impossible. Ever since I was a little boy, I've dreamed of being the final girl. <laughs> I want you to come study my (laughs) just one more time. (laughs) Uh, Well, Vicky, you're a virgin. No, you're not. You're a smut. (laughs) You had like the weird mustache. (laughs) Right. A phone that I can put in my mouth. (laughs) <laughs> From the movie. Oh, jeez.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.